Coming up on Tech Thing, upgrade Flash in Chrome like now, people. A little help buying a new PC for college. A Gmail update that is life-changing. Don't kill your standing desk. And let's talk all about that information about you that's on the internet. All that and more coming up next on Tech Thing. If you get something useful out of this episode of Tech Thing, please consider contributing to the show at patreon.com slash techthing. When we hit our next milestone, we'll add an additional monthly build video just for our patrons. Thank you so much. I'm Shannon Morse. And I'm Patrick Norton. And this is Tech Thing, where we make technology behave. At least on the good days. We I also, make my technology behave. We rescue dogs. Wait, what? Yeah, it's a, it's a thing. Don't, <laughs> don't leave your dog sitting in a warehouse porch in Richmond because I'll take it someplace to make sure it's safe. There was no Aww. tags. But it was chipped. Oh. It happy ending. Well, you did the right thing yes. by taking it to make sure that it was okay. Yes. Well, my son wanted us to take the dog home. And I'm like, would, oh. you, would you want someone to steal your cat? And he's like, no. I'm like, well, we don't know whose dog this is. He's like, okay. Seven-year-olds get so sad when you won't let them bring home a second dog or <laughs> that's iguana. That's true. My mom let me take home all the animals. I ended up with a zoo. But that's not why we are here. <laughs> We're actually here to tell you about all the craziness that's happening on the internet. Speaking of which, update Flash in Chrome now. Immediately. immediately. If not sooner. <laughs> this Adobe Security Bulletin, security updates for Adobe Flash Player, uh, came out a couple days ago. Um, look, it's real simple. Uh, there's a pretty nasty heat buffer overflow. Uh, there are exploits in the... Oh, I'll quote. Adobe says these updates resolve a heat buffer overflow vulnerability that could lead to code execution. That's CVE 2015-3113. Oh, and this gosh. isn't theoretical. Adobe is aware of reports that this exploit is being actively exploited in the wild by limited targeted attacks. Systems running Internet Explorer for Windows 7 and below, as well as Firefox and Windows XP, are known targets. That said, oh, man. well, look, it's really simple. Um, you know, Windows, Macintosh, Linux, uh, Internet Explorer on 8.0 and 8.1, uh, Chrome, all need to be updated. If you've never updated Chrome before, so this is Chrome that I'm running on my machine right now. Click on these bars over here and go down to About Google Chrome, and it will check... Uh, and it'll basically check. And if the Google Chrome is not up to date, you can update it. And if it's not up to cool. date right now, update it because you have a nasty version of Flash that can be <laughs> exploited and used against you against your will. For everybody else, it's basically go to git.adobe.com slash, uh, slash Flash Player uh, and download the new version. Um, yeah. <sighs> I don't know what else to say. This is why we do ThreatWire, which is another show on the Hack 5 We'll, Channel, we'll, we'll talk about security say. later in the show. Yeah. We'll this talk is about why we do that. <laughs> so we can talk about it every day. Oh, my goodness. So Google, or Gmail, I yeah. should say, is allowing takebacks. Oh, my God. So <laughs> they are. <laughs> They're letting you take back. Take back what you said. So I mentioned, speaking of Google, I showed this to my coworker, and she seriously replied, Really? This is life-changing. Which makes me wonder, since Sarah's like the sweetest person on the planet, what kind of email she's been sending <laughs> that she wants to take back. So this is undo send for Gmail on the web. Yay! So this allows you to undo a message that you just pressed send on. Okay. So it never actually hits their servers. It's just like in a waiting mode for a few minutes and before you, have you actually send it. 10 seconds? So they give you a couple options. I actually have this under my Gmail settings tab. So you just go over to general in your Gmail settings and look for undo send, and you have the option to set it to 10 seconds, uh, 5, 10, 20, or 30 seconds. So they give you ample amount of time to you know, read over it, and if you see a typo or if you forgot to 
add an attachment, for example, or if you just don't want to send that super flame baity email, you, you have up to 30 seconds to <laughs> just just delete call, or undo yeah. it. <laughs> so, so basically you have up to 30 seconds. Yeah. So think quickly. <laughs> so HBO Now, it, I thought I was signed in, but apparently I'm not signed in. HBO Now, awesome. right, is, is going to be available on Android later this summer. Yay. Um, but you were really excited about what's going on with Hulu and... I am. Showtime. Okay. Yes. So this is like just a sign of the times for me. Again, we're seeing another like cable channel mm -hmm. going to the internet. So Hulu and Showtime have decided to pair up under Hulu's paid subscription service, which is like eight or nine bucks. And you also get Showtime shows on Hulu.com as well. So this includes shows like, uh, I believe, Homeland, Dexter. Uh, there's a new one up at the top called Scroll Up. What is that called? The yeah, Masters of Sex or Penny Dr Ray Donovan. Yeah, Ray Donovan. That's a tough looking Weeds guy. Weeds is on there, so I'm I'm pretty excited about that. I'm considering going back to my page subscription on Hulu just for this. Really? Yeah, I'm will thinking the, about it. Will will the Showtime episodes be ad free? I cannot confirm nor deny whether that is the case, and that is one of the irks, which is one of the reasons why I canceled my Hulu subscription, is because you still had ads. So I guess we'll see. We'll see. Yeah, we we wait with bated breath. <laughs> so we do. Oh my goodness. And moving on, we got a question from Dylan in Antioch, California, who writes in, I will be transferring to UC Davis this fall, and I am looking to replace a six-year-old MacBook Pro. That's old, dude. Do you have any recommendations? I am looking for another Mac, but I would also consider a Windows PC. Should I go with another MacBook Pro or the new MacBook? Thanks from Dylan. Thank you, Dylan. Hey, if you like Mac, stick with Mac. You can always run Windows on it. Um, yeah. The college is going to be exciting enough, plus you know the social activities and the mayhem. True. Um, don't learn a new operating system, and <laughs> unless you're going to be like live in 3D CAD CAM apps or video editing, I'd skip the MacBook Pro and go with the MacBook. The air is really tempting. Um, in my experience, the air kind of tends to suck wind after a few years, but at least now it's it's funny because you know the new MacBook Airs at least you can update them now to eight gigabytes of memory. That's it. Well, <laughs> I mean, I guess that's good for general browsing and like watching Netflix. Yeah. But if you do anything other than that, you're going to have some issues. Yeah, I would say eight gigabytes is the entry level, <laughs> especially for OS X. Um, man, I always recommend checking the the uh, university's computer guidelines yes. for UC Davis. It's computerownership.ucdavis.edu. Uh, and one of the things, I love the fact that A, we strongly recommend against using only a tablet or other small mobile device for your work. Uh, and there's some really good stuff if you click through, like there's pre-arrival advice. And I thought this was great. This is essentially the IT service for all the students at UC Davis. Um, and they're like, please, like, make sure your operating system is up to date. Oh, yeah. Know what your warranty <laughs> coverage is. You know, know what your charge is. Bring a surge protector, an extension cord, an Ethernet cable. Um, guidelines for what you can do with, wow. the, with, with the wireless network and stuff. When I was in college, we did not have this list of things to do with your home computer because like nobody right. had laptops at school yet. There were at least three computers in my dorm at school. And most <laughs> of the rest of the people use rocks and tablets. Um, one of the things, and 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 I, 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 I go to the store, especially on the Windows side of things. Um, Paul, who's editing right now, is shouting out about this. But, like, you know, I think you're getting, like, I think this is, like, a $50 oh. discount. So the MacBook stuff is not a huge discount because Apple controls its channel pretty tightly. But if there's student discounts, especially on applications, they can be 
huge. Definitely, definitely check to see if you can get a discount. Yeah. Uh, and it, depending on your major, you should probably, okay, you know, I don't know if you're a freshman or a junior at this point. Um, if you have a major selected, check the school's website for recommendations. Certain departments will have very specific requirements. Mm -hmm. Case in point, if you're, say, an engineering student and you need to run this application and there's no Mac version, then you need to own a version of Windows on that machine. Mm -hmm. And now you might want to go back and talk about a Windows machine. I'm in love with Dell's XPS 13. Yes, That's, it's a really good machine. It's I would I would recommend that one for yeah. school. I would also recommend at least a 13-inch screen on a portable. Um, although I will say I've have been fairly happy with an 11-inch screen and a monitor uh, at. Uh, at my desktop. And um, good battery life so it doesn't die when you're in the middle of class trying to take <laughs> notes. Yes. That would really suck. And a backpack <laughs> with a padded sleeve or a padded yeah. sleeve for the laptop because nothing says finals week like a broken screen and having to borrow somebody's monitor or if... Aww. Yeah. <laughs> Let's not talk about that. Let, <laughs> let, let us instead talk to Darren about what's up on Hack 5 this week. Patrick, we are having so much fun on Hack 5 this week. We're turning one of these bad boys, little Intel Nook, into a virtual server that you can run in your home lab environment. Tons of different machines off of this bad boy using free and open source software. And we get it done in just a few minutes. It's so simple. Tune in to hak5.org and find Shannon and I building all sorts of good stuff. You could probably put one of these together with just parts you have under your bed right now. We'll see you over on Hack 5. We've been talking a lot lately about upgrading your smartphone photography and when it's time to step up to a dedicated camera. Now we've got Lori Grun and CNET's Senior Editor for Reviews Digital Imaging, and she's going to talk cameras with us. Welcome to Tech Thing, Lori. Hey. <laughs> You've, Lori's been super patient as we worked out some exciting Skype audio issues. But we should talk, last thing you reviewed is, was it the DxO? It's like a $600 add-on for the iPhone. Uh, I haven't reviewed it yet. It okay. was actually just announced last week, but I did get to touch it <laughs> and play with it. Um, and it, it's actually really cool because if you've seen the things like the Sony mm -hmm. uh, lens cameras, um, they're to me they're really clunky. Right. They're you know you have they're they're almost juggling solutions. <laughs> um, whereas this. It sticks in the, the iPhone via the lightning connector, mm -hmm. and it just seems really elegant. It's got a 20 megapixel one-inch sensor, uh, and uh, it just sounds really good. Uh, you know, when when I get to use it, who knows? I may just do an about face, but we'll see. <laughs> a one-inch sensor seems pretty massive for something that small that's clipping onto a phone. Uh, it's actually not that big. Um, uh, and the device is, you know, about, uh, I don't know if you can see it, so, you know, about this big. Okay. Um, but uh, one-inch sensors aren't as big as they sound. <laughs> it's, okay, it seems like compared to the little hole in the back of the phone, it sounds huge. Well, let's talk about, you know, if we're looking at your, your sort of recommendation for an entry-level camera, the Canon PowerShot SX600HS versus, say, the camera in an iPhone or some of the better Android phones, when is it time? Is that a step up from an iPhone camera, or is that sort of a sideways step at this point? Uh, I'd call it a sideways step. Mm -hmm. What you gain is a zoom lens, sometimes faster performance, at, at everything except for sort of the, the single shot where, oh, shoot it. Um, in, in that respect, the compact cameras still aren't as uh, intelligent as phones. Um, but for, you know, for action shooting where you need a burst mode, uh, it, they tend to be better. Uh, mostly, though, you want it for the zoom lens. 
Is that pretty much the, the main difference, the glass at this point, the ability to zoom optically? Well, frankly, glass is the most important thing at this point on any camera. Uh, it's what differentiates them. Mm -hmm. uh, it, it, the, especially when, you know, below like an APS-C size sensor. Uh, and the glass on phones tends to be not very good. Mm -hmm. And the other, the other thing that you gain by going to a zoom lens is, you know, different appearance for your photos. With a phone, you basically have the same angle of view every time. You're either macro or wide angle. Right. Whereas with a zoom lens, you can, you can change it up and, you know, take photos of, you can get rid of the extraneous stuff, mm -hmm. the edges of the frame that you don't want there. So when is it time to step up to, say, an enthusiast uh, compact, like the Lumix DMC LX100, the DMC FC1000, or even, mm -hmm. an, oop, go ahead. Okay, the minute that you look at your photos and you say to yourself, you know, these don't look as good as I thought they did. <laughs> That's <laughs> the time to step up. If you're not noticing a difference, then you know, chances are you're happy with your phone. The other time is when um, you realize that you want a better lens. You want a fast lens and you want to be able to change the aperture, which changes the way the background looks. Uh, you get various levels of out of focus and what the out of focus highlights look like and everything like that. Uh, on phones, basically you just have a single aperture mm -hmm. and they just electronically change the amount of light that hits the sensor. So, the, so then they have to go back and algorithmically, you know, defocus it. That's what all those defocusing uh, effects are for. Whereas with a camera, you can actually change that yourself. So one of the things I noticed that I was kind of surprised by, um, you guys have a review of uh, Nikon's D3300, and the entry-level prices for a DSLR is so low. At what point, you know, do you go DSLR versus, you know, the mirrorless cameras? Um, well... Interestingly, in the U.S., most people are still going for DSLRs. Mm -hmm. This is one of the few places where the mirrorless really hasn't gained as much traction. Mm -hmm. um, when you hit that point, you're looking at performance. The DSLRs are still easier to shoot action with. The optical viewfinders, the way they're built, they're just, at least I find mm -hmm. that, you know, if you're shooting photos of your kids and pets and you know, your kids are into sports and stuff like that. That's, to me, really the defining line between a DSLR and a mirrorless. There are some really fast mirrorless cameras, mm -hmm. but they're more expensive than the entry-level DSLRs. I have a couple questions for you from uh, the kind of the, some tips from your buying guide. One of the things you guys talk about, um, you and, and uh, Joshua Goldman wrote that up, uh, is don't get hung up on megapixels or, for that matter, any single spec for a camera. Yeah, it, it would be really easy if there were a spec that told you whether a camera was good or not. <laughs> um, even, but even the specs that matter, such as continuous uh, shooting rate, mm -hmm. the vendors play a little fat. The, sorry, the manufacturers play a little fast and loose with that spec. You want you want the camera to have con fast continuous shooting with autofocus and with auto auto exposure. A lot when you see the really high, you know, 15 frames per second rates, mm -hmm. that's with the focus fixed on the first frame and without changing the exposure. So if you're photographing your kid who's running under, you know, the clouds move by and they're running down the field, the exposure changes, but it won't change in the camera. Oh, interesting. The other thing is, um, if you know anything about physics, 
something moving across your focal plane like this tends to it the distance at either end is further so sure. you focused at a far distance and as it moves by it's going to be out of focus so that's why it's unless you're planning on shooting somebody jump roping <laughs> um, <laughs> you know running in place right that's when it, ma it doesn't matter if it's fixed on the first exposure so specs are important but you can't run your life by so you can't run your life by specs. And then there's, you, one of the things you note is also that there's no best or editor's choice camera in most categories. And that's because every camera is a pretty serious balancing or juggling act. Yeah. Um, I tend to award editor's choices when the camera doesn't have a lot of caveats. Mm -hmm. Meaning, uh, I think that it's recommendable to a large bunch, a large varied bunch of people as opposed to a very narrow segment. Mm -hmm. um, so that's why, for instance, you know, the Leica Q, which just came out, which I love, but it's $4,300. Oh. Uh, not an, you know, an editor's choice is something sure. that somebody can go to and say, oh, without even reading it, oh, that's probably a good camera that I want to buy. You know, but the Leica Q, yeah, for people with money. <laughs> I'll sell my truck, buy a Leica Q, because I've been coveting Leicas since I was a child. I still can't afford them. Anything Wait for your midlife crisis. No, I'm not allowed one. My mom made me promise. No midlife crises. Anything coming up on, on CNET that you can tease for us? Uh, well, uh, I just got the D7200, which is Nikon's mid-range DSLR, which I'm looking forward to testing. And I've been working on the NX500, Ooh. which is um, the Samsung... ILC that has all the components of the higher-end NX1 in it. Um, I'm discovering that doesn't translate so well to a lower-end camera. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, since I'm still fact-checking on that, mm -hmm. I'm... <laughs> we will wait for the report. We will check on CNET.com. Lori, thank you so much for making time for us. Always. Thanks. Hey, got a Tamara tip or a suggestion? Do us a favor, email ask at techthing.com or tweet at techthing and we'll share it with the audience. It's time for our HostGator Disruptive Tech of the Week. And I'm going to say, let's talk about security. I was thinking about this a lot last week with the breaches at the Office of Personnel Management. It's, it, I love that, you know, OPM.gov, they're essentially the HR branch of the United States government updated information about recent cybersecurity incidents, which is a polite way of saying that we got hacked. And a lot of information is out there. Um, like you know, 14 million people's information. Yeah, it's it's crazy and unhinged. Um, you know, but the Adobe Flash problems, as we kind of really hammered at home for me, security is important. And if you're looking at you know at school for a major or a new direction at your company, uh, if you're retooling in life, uh, if you've got any curiosity about coding or getting your sysadmin on, I would really just get up to my neck and my eyeballs and over my head in security. <laughs> We're finding enough security and privacy news for Dan and Sharon and I to fill three episodes of ThreatWire every week. I mean, you know, if you take a look, so, you know, youtube.com slash hack5, let's see, uh, we've got the nasty hash flag today, uh, wireless password hacking, the PETA wireless, like literally people can, are now figuring out ways to pull passwords out of the air, which means I guess we'll have to use brain connections, but it's crazy, like... You know, another 14 million people have been docked, zero-day exploits, uh, China cracking Tor and VPN. Basically, it goes on and on. It goes on and on. It's really crazy. And what's so frustrating about this, so like some of the really smart observers, like Krebs quoted some people that were really great, um, talking about like the OPM hack. 
these were known problems. Like, yeah. you know, we're looking at stuff like ancient known coding problems like buffer overflows are still tripping up the code we use every day. Social engineering is trumping good security, whether it's somebody on the phone or really good spear phishing emails. And that's not even getting into the art and science of hacking and penetration testing, which uncovers new flaws and problems every day, even if you do have a bunch of coders that have the money and the time to do it right. The OPM problems were a giant sprawling system that was poorly secured to open up opportunities for exploits. The Internet of Things? Oh my goodness. <laughs> Major manufacturers are going to be recycling low-rent code from third parties, usually by just slapping a new interface on it and not much else. Um, think about problems with your friends and neighbors and coworkers that don't bother to update their operating system, their antivirus, their anti-malware. Or my personal favorite, simply not changing the password on your router. All these things need to be fixed, maintained, and managed. And from what my friends say, working in penetration testing and security pays way better than games development, uh, unless you're one of the top games in the iTunes store, in which case you're probably <laughs> taking home bank and good for you. Seriously, mm -hmm. lock your tech down. Help your friends and family lock their tech down and look for opportunities at school, at work, because I think security is going to be unhinged and amazing. And if you say, do start an InfoSec business, do us a favor, host it on our sponsor, HostGator.com, and use the coupon code TECHTHING to get 30% off any new hosting package. You'll help support the show, keep it to you, coming to you each oh, and man. every week. I just want to keep on going with this. Like, yeah, security! We, just well, talk all the security all day. We, we got a very lovely email today, and I, I didn't put it in the show because I suck, but, but it was one <laughs> of the things they said. It's like, you talk about security a lot, but it's important, and we're just, we'll stop for now until the next thing, but... Man, yeah. at the very least, make sure your system's updated, make sure your software's updated, make sure your anti-malware's updated, make sure your router's updated, maybe make sure you either put an open source operating system and or get a new router if it's one of the ones that are subjected to the most recent buffer overflow. Oh, goodness, I'm going to stop now. <laughs> we have a question from Thomas. <laughs> Thomas wrote about his Rosewill Gaming Thor V2 desktop tower, and he's looking for an under-the-desk mount for it. He says, hey guys, love the new show. Do you have any suggestions to how I can fit this case, plus the UPS I also have, into a sit-or-stand configuration? Is there a CPU holder out there I could use? Should I get cable extensions for everything? Should I either force myself to be content with the CPU on the desktop or move the PC guts to a smaller base? Thanks. Thomas. Hmm. So, so I ended up looking up his computer because I was really curious about how big it is. So his PC tower, mm -hmm. the Rosewell Thor V2, is 22.84 inches by 9.14 inches by 21.89 at most. So like two so foot by two foot by nine something. Yeah, it's really, really big. And I'm going to guess that it's probably really, really heavy too. So I know you mentioned this. You were like, don't put it on top of the desk. Well, it's, it's funny. So we've, we've tested everything from like, you know, I hacked together some Ikea furniture into a standing desk <laughs> yep. to some less expensive motorized mm -hmm. standing desk to some incredibly expensive um, standing desks. And I'll say it right now. Some of them are good. What's the one you have at home? Uh, I have the Updesk Upright. Okay. So that one's crazy expensive. Well, we had Anthony Carboni and I on that, that's like yeah. <laughs> 500 pounds, well, okay, probably 400 pounds because Anthony's a little guy. You can put people on it and yes. it's fine. So that with your, you know, a really solid sit, you know, motorized sitting standing desk will handle the weight of that PC. I would put it on top of the PC rather than hanging it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, but I would probably just put the tower on the floor. 
You know, I have to agree with you. I have mine on the floor at home. Mm -hmm. Of course, I have cats and tons <laughs> of dust bunnies on the floor, so you could also consider putting it on top of some kind of mount. Uh, well, not a mount, but some kind of stand like an right. apple box. So yes, this one is expensive, but you can always build your own or you can find something similar to it to just set your desktop PC get on top of. Get a vintage melt crate off Etsy. Yeah, there the you go. Ones. Yeah, super, super cheap. Like you could probably just take one from somewhere and milk crate. Just make sure you ask that's, before you do that. That's theft. <laughs> So you could stand your, you know, your right. tower underneath your desk, and it should be fine, and that way it would keep it away from dust bunnies. Um, I wouldn't recommend it personally on top of the desk because, I mean, not only is it going to take up a lot of room, mm -hmm. but it also might add a lot of weight to one side or the other, depending on which desk you get, right. and it could, over time, damage your desk. Well, and that's what, it really depends on the build quality of your desk. If, yeah, it does. If, if they use the cheap actuators, you're going to find out if you have 40 pounds is sitting on one side of your <laughs> desk and not on the other, you'll hear through It'll start to stick. It'll right. start to grind. Same thing goes with a mount, of course. So yeah. if you have a mount that's underneath one side of your desk, it could mess up the levers and the motors on that one side because it's heavier on that yeah. one side and not as heavy on the other. Or the chain drive or the screwdriver, whatever mm -hmm. crazy mechanism they have. Um, and then depending on the electronics that you have on top of your desk, you might not even have to get any extension mm -hmm. cables. Uh, for example, my desk at home, I have my router, my Sonos, uh, the connection thing, whatever they call it, all that stuff on top of my desk, including mm -hmm. my monitor. And I can still raise my desk up to full height and right. stand at it, and I don't need any extension cables. Everything still reaches the floor, and the tower down there just fine. But if you do, they're, they're readily available. Yeah. You can find extension cables on Amazon for super, super cheap for pretty much anything. So you should be fine. <laughs> the little zip ties that either have the sticky on them or can screw in the bottom. If there's no cable yes. routing inside your... A lot of these desks actually have really sophisticated cable routing inside of them. Just make sure if you don't have sophisticated cable routing built into your desk that you mount the cables, even if it's just duct tape under the bottom of the desk. Make sure all of your cables are routed so they don't get mm -hmm. pinched anywhere because yes. there's Nothing sadder than an editor that's on deadline that has to run oh, to the nearest no. store to buy another keyboard and mouse because they severed the cable when they, you know, <laughs> hey, my, my, you know, and then <laughs> you laugh, right? But just, just, I believe attention. you. I'm just saying. <laughs> It's it's cool though. So do you do you pretty much constantly use your standing desk at home, or do you just leave it um, in one position? Do you I, stand? No, I use it up and down. It mm -hmm. kind of just depends on my mood at that time. I don't try to do it for a certain amount of time every right. day or anything like that. It's just like oh, I don't feel like sitting down because I can just stand up and do this thing. And it also depends on if I'm wearing heels, because <laughs> heels are very tiring to you stand. Wear in. heels at home. Well, if I'm You're coming so home from work, uh, I just sit down to play a video game. I'm like, I'm not going to wear heels and stand at my desk. You could kick your heels off. I could. Oh, my goodness. Patreon, <laughs> people. Do you want an extra episode of Tech Thing every month? Yes. Something where Shannon and I concentrate on a build, say, a new $500 gaming PC or yes. some crazy Raspberry Pi contraption? We're going to add a build each and every month if we can hit our new milestone goal of $2,500. Your Patreon contributions keep the show going. Patreon.com slash techthing is the place. And if you can't donate, no worries. Just keep watching. Please take the time to send us your questions, tips, and to share the show with your friends and family. And if you can, give our video the thumbs up on YouTube and the like in on our Facebook page and reviews on iTunes. Each and every bit of it helps build the audience and keep us going so we can keep the show going every week to you. Thank you so much. Ask at techthing.com is the email address. At techthing is our Twitter address. And hey, if you want to go to Facebook, facebook.com slash techthing. We're starting to add news articles on there. So we have exciting stuff in between each weekly show. <laughs> 
In any case, Andrew wrote askatechthing.com. Hello, Patrick and Shannon. I've been wary about my personal information being out on the internet for a while now. And I've become even more concerned having checked my family members' names and seen the amount of information out there. I've searched and found numerous websites that claim they can take your information off a quote limited unquote number of websites, but there are varying prices and some have subscriptions. Do you guys have recommendations on websites to do this? Do you guys know of a way to do this without spending a dime? Do you have recommendations on things to do to help keep your information off the internet? Signed, Andrew, who apparently has something to hide. Because if you didn't have something to hide, you'd be okay with your information being out on the internet. All right. <laughs> I'm so, kidding, I'm, by the way. I'm preparing for this question. That was a lot of questions. That was like three. So I have a bookmark folder mm -hmm. of sites that I'll check like regularly. <laughs> and they help me for all of these cases where I'm like, hey, I don't want my info on the internet. So I always go to these websites to check and figure out what I need to do. Mm -hmm. So anytime you sign up for a site that ships you products that you buy or that you give your phone number to a site, et cetera, et cetera, who knows if they're sell selling that information to third-party marketers? Right. Yes, their privacy policy might say they don't, but what if they get hacked and then that information is sold right. on the black market? You don't know. And once the info is out there, it's very, very hard to remove, if at all. I mean, pretty much if it's on the internet it's gonna stay on the internet but I wanted to give you a couple of examples in case you want to take an active approach to this so first off there's this website called crash override and this is an online anti-harassment task force it's a website dedicated to helping people that have been doxxed which is to say that their information has been publicly released without their consent mm -hmm. and they've compiled a huge list of sites that are like online phone books for people I'm, I'm, Not by their my consent. eyes are closed and I'm nodding my head because, you know. Some of the information out there, some of the information out there is publicly available, and that's what's yeah. so funny, because sometimes you'll run into websites that list information that's available for mm -hmm. free if you just go to you know, the county or state or federal website. Yeah, absolutely. But in the case of doxing, it's usually information that isn't supposed to be public anywhere that right. somebody's been like, hey, I've got pictures like of your, you. Yeah, your pictures, social security Homework. numbers, <laughs> your phone number, if right. you have a personal private phone number. If credit you're, cards. Yeah, if you have credit cards, mm -hmm. they might post those somewhere. Uh, you might have heard of Spokio, which posts people's addresses without their consent. But they find this information and they've created this huge website where they just post everything. Mm -hmm. So Crash Override made this list. Uh, they have an article set that says prevent doxing. And if you scroll down, they have all these massive lists of online info brokers and opt-out information for each site. If you click on them, it'll direct you directly to the opt-out info for whatever that website is. So PeopleSmart directs you all the way to their opt-out information. Um, secondly, I also wanted to add it and that if, if, if you've ever signed up for sites in the past that you don't use anymore, you can use this website to get directly to their info for deleting accounts. So this website is called justdelete.me. Uh, this site also directly sends you over to oh, these wow. different account systems and you can automatically delete your info out of them. It also tells you how easy it is or how hard it is to delete your account from them. Some of them it's impossible, like they always have your account if you sign up, like Animal Crossing Community. Some it's very easy, like the Amazon AWS system. So if you click on that, it takes you automatically to the account where you sign in, do, do, do. and then you can just put in your information and uh, change it or update or delete it as necessary. 
I also wanted to mention a few pro tips, which pro I've tips. kind of figured out throughout the ages and also listened to at security conventions too. Yeah. So a few pro tips for you for online shopping. You might want to consider a P.O. box instead of your home address for ordering, which does cost a little bit of money, yes, but it also saves you the headache of having random spam being sent to your home address. Uh, also, we call that junk mail yes, in the, in junk the meat mail. space world. <laughs> you can also consider like using a prepaid card or a card specifically mm -hmm. used just for online shopping. So if a website does get hacked, they don't end up getting into your personal checking account or something like that. And when you do sign up for a site, use an alternate spelling of your name or a fake name. This sounds kind of weird, but if you use an alternate or a fake name, you can kind of figure out which sites are selling your information without your consent by looking at how your name is spelled on those third-party sites. Somebody I know used to use a different middle initial each time they signed up for something, <laughs> yes. or it'd be like A, B, C, D, then it'd be like A1, and they kept track, right? and that's how they kept track of that. But one it's time funny, you, yeah, but it works. We, one of the things we got a response to recently was reminding us that one time use credit cards, sometimes your bank will offer these, mm -hmm. where you can have a credit card number generated just for that individual yes. transaction. Although the new credit card technology is helping to speed that along. So in theory, now that I have my new credit card with a little chip, that yeah. the processing system will no longer allow Target or Home Depot or some other large retailer to oh, force me sense. to re-sign up for everything in my name because they their security got stomped on. Also a secondary email address too. Oh yeah. Yeah, so you don't end up with a bunch of spam that just floods your personal email account. And mm -hmm. again, once that info is on the internet, assume that it's there forever, but that doesn't mean that you shouldn't take action whenever you come across your private information. Mm -hmm. I mean, search for yourself on Google. That really helps bring up yeah. information. Being active and aware of what you are putting on the internet can over time decrease the correct information that's there on the internet for other people to find too. Yeah. Especially it's if you move around a lot. Or if you've got you know <laughs> kids in high school and junior high school right yeah. now, it's intense. Like yeah. I, I am so looking forward to my children being in junior high school and high school and what sort of internet related drama will be popping Te up. Teach them now. early what kind of information should and should not go on the internet. My favorite question ever, uh, no, one of my favorite questions ever, how do <laughs> I keep my parents from seeing what I post on Facebook? And oh. you can't. <laughs> That hot chick from Nebraska is probably your That's mom funny. using a fake photograph and you're telling her everything. <laughs> if you don't want people to know about it, don't post it on Facebook. Oh, that is awesome. Or the internet. <laughs> and that, ladies and gentlemen, wraps up this episode. But before we go, <laughs> I did want to remind everybody that once in a while you want to get rid of your phone. Well, not get rid of it, but just put it away or leave it at home. <laughs> Step away from the screen, close your laptop, and do something really cool and really analog, like riding a hoverboard. You are so invested. This is an advertising <laughs> campaign from Lexus of it's, all people. It's a total ad. Here, I'll turn it down. But apparently they have like big old magnets and liquid nitrogen, and they're claiming there's a skateboarder using an actual hoverboard in a skate park. So if, supposedly we're going to see video of this guy actually riding the hoverboard eventually, but we haven't seen that yet. Yeah. Honestly, if it was me, I would just fall on my face. You have been giddy about the hoverboard all morning long. I have. It's cool. It is cool. It's very, like, back to the future, you know? I want to hoverboard around Richmond. Yes. <laughs> With I my big old tank that. of liquid nitrogen on my back to keep it from falling and getting rerun over. I'm Patty Norton. I'm gladly pay to see that. I'm Shannon Morris. We'll see you next week on Tech Thing. On the railroad tracks? Hoverboarding on the railroad tracks? Ooh, that would be cool. A little help when you need to buy a bunny. What to do with your aardvark poo and how you can use it to make the most amazing tomato garden ever.
your dog back. So don't leave your dog in an abandoned in Richmond because I'm gonna rescue it. My son's gonna try to adopt it. This is what happens when I get seven hours of uninterrupted sleep. I'm giddy. Wow. <laughs> no wonder you're on top of things today. You're like, <laughs> yes, deep play. Like yes, Ollie. All you die, people. I used to be able to do Ollies. Ollies. In high school. I like saying Ollies. That was the only thing I could do. Kick flip. Oh, I did it! And then I would break my knee on the curb or whatever. I miss playing in traffic in New York skateboard. These people, however, are individually responsible for helping keeping the show going each oh, and every Oh, the people. Week. You Thank should make you. a song for them. <laughs> I've been singing all morning, and I'm not going to hurt anyone by doing that. <laughs> all our oh. fans are awesome! No, 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 don't sing that tune, because then we'll get a takedown order. <laughs> because tunes... You can't, you don't, no, no, but yes. You can see like two seconds and they won't take it down. Yeah, we'll find <laughs> out about that. All it takes is one takedown notice and suddenly the channel is gone. No! Exactly. No! Exactly. <laughs>